Well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from the Sexy Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. So we're hanging out the other night. You and me. Yeah. And you said, hey, let's play a game. So I go to the closet to pick out some uh, board games. (laughs) And I take out all the board games. And I know your game by this point. It's take out every board game you own. You read the directions. You uh, move all the uh, pieces all all around the table. And uh, by the end of the night, we don't play any board games. (laughs) Well... What can I say? My brain wants to do things, but my heart tells me to just be a monster in the corner, never moving a muscle. <laughs> so it's like, I'm interested, but I'm not that interested. <laughs> so, oh, how about this one? No. How about this one? No. <laughs> okay, but in my defense, your list of board games is like a rogues gallery of some of the worst pieces of crap. <laughs> It's like all the stuff that like your distant aunt got you for Christmas over the years that you never opened and you're just trying to unload on me. (laughs) There are times, I will say there are times that we do, we'll take the cards from one of the games or play like some sort of trivia game, but we won't actually use the board. Yeah, well, I mean, my key thing is as long as I don't have to fucking move, (laughs) I'm in. I'll play whatever you want as long as I don't have to move. That's why this podcast has worked out for me. (laughs) Anyway, so we don't wind up ever playing any games. Ultimately, we wind up like doing charades, you know, if the girls are around. Yeah. But I will say that I think most of our listeners have played a board game at least 11 times in their life. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a bold statement for sure. Um, (laughs) Might get a couple of disagreements, but I'm with you. So I figured tonight... Why not talk about board games? I think that's a a swell idea. So in thinking about board games, it made me realize that, you know, looking back on them, they may have been more fun when I was a kid. (laughs) So You mean like some of them seemed a little more fun then than they do now? A little bit, yeah. In retrospect, you know, you always look back and maybe things were more fun, but certain ones are even much cooler than they were back then. Yeah, because, like, you know, if a board game when you're six, if a board game came with three-page directions, you're like, fuck this, I'm going to make up my own rules. Exactly. Now you have the patience and the maturity. And it was also like, well, we didn't have a car to go drive us places, you know, to go anywhere, do anything cool, or go sing doo-wop songs in the street corner or something. No, No smartphones, no internet. Exactly. So we'd play stupid board games. Yeah, it had to. It had no choice. It was like either that or just stare at each other. Yeah, we had to spend time doing things in some fashion. So board games were a huge thing growing up. So we each have five board games to discuss. Yep, we're going to run through some of our favorite and maybe some of our not-so-favorite board games from childhood and beyond. Exactly. And how about you start, Matt? Me? Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) I hate when you throw me this curve. 
<laughs> I like I've gotten used to having those first three minutes of just sitting here staring at the wall. <laughs> Not listening to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just every once in a while throwing a yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Wait for you to cue me. <laughs> but okay, I'll start. Board game memories. My first game was created in 1963, and it has spent over five decades frustrating the fuck out of everyone who's ever played it. It's Mousetrap! Oh, God. Obviously, everyone that's listening has seen this game, but if you've never actually played it, the basic goal was to capture your opponent's little mice pieces while keeping them from capturing yours. And all anyone really remembers about it is the absolute circus of traps which never worked the way they were supposed to work. Right. Just absolutely never. It was quite a intricate game. It took forever to set up, and no matter how hard you tried, there was always going to be those like last few pieces that wouldn't snap together the way they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. So eventually you just say, fuck it, and play anyway. And man, those pieces really did need to snap together. Yeah. Do you remember this game? Were you a fan of it? Well, you know, looking back at some of these games in preparation for tonight's conversation, I look back and I say to myself, geez, you know, I am not that smart. And it, and this is one of those games that used to make me feel like it actually like may, used to make me nauseous. And looking back at the directions online, like I was getting like sick to my stomach because it's it is seriously like you need a degree in engineering to figure this game out. Right. Reading those instructions, like you ever see a cartoon where the crazy coach is doing the football plan on the chalkboard <laughs> yes. and it's just getting wilder and wilder and you just can't follow what the fuck it is. Yes. Like you're on, you know, page 17 in the mousetrap directions. And finally, you just check out. And you're like, you know what? I'm just not going to play this. Yeah, exactly. I remember getting this as a gift. I'm not going to say it's a game. I was going to say it's a thing because it was not a game to me in any way, shape, or form. But I would be very optimistic, you know, because, oh, I got a new game, you know, real excited. So I'd plop down on the floor, uh, and about 12 minutes later, I would just start, like, staring at it and laying around on the floor staring at it and just being baffled. And then I'd, you know, slowly get up and walk away eventually, and realize that I, I hated this game. If you wanted to make a, you know, complete a puzzle, you'd buy a fucking puzzle. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, despite all of these flaws, I loved Mousetrap. Because if you didn't play it like it was a game, if you just used it as like a virtual Chuck E. Cheese for G.I. Joe figures, <laughs> it was so cool. <laughs> yes. You know, you'd send Cobra Commander in there and make him dive into suspended bathtubs. And I mean... <laughs> That sure beat whatever the hiss did. <laughs> I mean, as a game, it was a kid's biggest reason to learn the word fuck. But as an action figure playset, perfect. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, I, I really like how you pontificated all that. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, I, I'll, I'll grant you that was a prepared speech. <laughs> You have a speechwriter for Mousetrap. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. It's a, it's a complete... I hate that fucking game. Uh, well, yeah, but I think hating it is just... It was a small price to pay for getting it. Because it did mean a lot back then. Like, you'd see the commercial and it looked absurdly fun. It did. So it was a risk you had to take. I think you'd regret not owning it more than you regret owning it. 
Just turn the crank and snap the plank and boot the marble right down the chute. Now watch it roll and hit the pole and knock the ball in the rubber up top, which fits the man into the fan. The trap is set. Here comes the net. Ouch! Mousetrap. I guarantee it's the craziest trap you'll ever see. I knew you were a winner. Mousetrap from Milton Bradley. My first pick is a game called Trivia Adventure. Now, this is more obscure, but it is from a big company called Pressman in 1983. And it was essentially trivial pursuit, but in space, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, and it was geared for kids ages 7 to 14. And the board itself was the solar system. The board was cool. It looked like a space map. Exactly. It was all the planets, and your goal was to get to planet Quizar. Which I'm like thinking, you know, Quizar, I never learned about Quizar in school, in science class. You know, I don't think that's an actual planet, to be no, honest. No, something tells me that they might have been going for a play on the word quiz. I think they might have been. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, whereas when I was a kid, when you're thinking about Trivial Pursuit, uh, I mean, I think everyone knows Trivial Pursuit. But when you're a kid and you're looking at that box in that cursive writing and, you know, it was very intimidating. It and then, was. And it, it looked yeah. very adult. It looked very adult. And when you're when you're a kid and you're at, like, a family gathering, you know that game with the gold cursive writing used to come out later on at night after all the adults ate and had right, dessert right. and they're drinking. And you're like, I don't – that's boring. I don't want to play that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so boring and, like, refined. It was like the champagne of board games, yeah, you know? That's so true. So <laughs> it, it didn't interest me at all. But this game, Trivia Adventure – was sort of like the kids' version of that. The questions were a lot easier, but what it did was it threw in questions that adults could answer as well. So part of the angle with the game was that even if you were like a seven-year-old kid, you could beat an adult feasibly because there was a lot of easy questions and there was a lot of hard questions. So I actually came prepared. You can call me Carrot Top because I have props tonight. Oh, God. And I, I, ha- I pulled out a few questions. Oh, could for- you ask me some yes. questions? Yes. Oh, I can't. I love this. <laughs> oh, God. This podcast sounded like such a bad idea until we got to this part. <laughs> I'm going to ask you the hardest question on the cards, okay? All right. In the movie Star Wars, <laughs> who is the, quote, bad guy dressed in black? Man, well, I suppose that depends on your point of view. <laughs> but I'm going to guess they, they mean Darth Vader. Yeah, you're, you're correct. Yeah. But, you know, it gets even better because here's another. There's, of course, a lot of Star Wars related questions because this came out in 83. So true or false, the Jedi are good people. Are you fucking, are you kidding me? Are these real questions or are you just like winging it? No, I'm t- I swear. Well, I think it, I mean, that's questionable too because, you know, who knows if they're good or bad? I mean, yeah, it's again, point of view. Yeah, I exactly. mean, Am I a Sith? <laughs> so, all right. And last one, last one. Yeah. Um, name the mouse on today's special. I don't fucking know. Oh, really? I don't know. What's what, it, it sounds like you're asking me what type of mouse are they serving? Uh, no, no, no. In today. <laughs> <laughs> on Nickelodeon, there was a show called Today's Special with the little mouse, and they were in the in the mall or the shopping center. It was closed down at night, and they were like mannequins, and they came alive, and there was a little mouse called Muffy. You don't remember that show? I was a network whore. You know, I watched <laughs> Channel 5 and Channel 11, and that was it. 
All right. Well, forget Muffy. Anyway, so Trivia Adventure was fun, and I enjoyed it because it was like, you know, if you felt like, oh, we're playing an adult quiz game, but it's really for kids. Follow a flight path through the planets to destination Quizar. So pick out your spaceship, prepare your passport, and let the fun begin as you speed on your way in Trivia Adventure! Alright, my next one is a big one, and I mean that literally, Jay. It's literally large. Okay. From 1986, it has such a major reputation that I think many of our listeners will feel like they know it, even if they've never seen it in person. Fireball Island. Ooh yeah. Oh man, how do you how do you describe it's Fireball um, Island? It's the size <laughs> of Rhode Island. And, like the thing everyone talks about is how big it was, and like no one's exaggerating. It is the biggest quote unquote board game I've ever seen. And I feel like that's probably why it no longer exists because shelf space in a toy store, that yeah. shit comes at a premium. And like Fireball Island was four times the size of most games. <laughs> For a little while, you were actually living in Fireball Island. Yes. <laughs> Hello, I'm Matt Dracula from Fireball Island, New York. Here's my cod. <laughs> All right, so so describe this insane board that they had for this. All right, I mean, I'll do my best. Uh, the key component was this enormous plastic three-dimensional playset. It looks sort of like a relief map of a fiery jungle. Mm. So the goal was to you know move your little safari guy pieces across all of these traps and bullshit, <laughs> steal a plastic jewel from a plastic jungle idol, and then get out of there without getting nailed by these marble fireballs. <laughs> so, like, I mean, yeah, this was very elaborate for the time. And I, I know that it goes for a lot of money mint in box if you had, like, a complete... Hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough to find it a couple of times, like, at yard sales. Mm -hmm. Like, even, like, six years ago, I found one for $5 at a church fair. Oh, wow. 100% complete. Sold that shit for 330 bucks. Oh my god. Yep. Ordered three pizzas that night. <laughs> so the thing about this is is that the game was so large that it didn't actually have to be any fun to be worth owning. Mm -hmm. But it was. Like everything that it was supposed to do, it did. Those marbles really did come rolling down, knocking over your little plastic men. Everything about it was as advertised. Looking at it, though, let me ask you this. The first thing that comes to my mind is who in the hell would have played this with me when I was a kid? Because, you know, you know, I had a few friends, but like my friends never wanted to play board games. And my sister was completely disinterested in most of these games. So and she was older than me. So I was like, you know, I would have got this just for the look of it and never actually played it. I, I'm sure a lot of kids did do that because the truth was that that plastic board, that three-dimensional board, was fun to play with even if you never actually touched the cards. Yeah. You ever see, like, that adult um, train collector guy and his beautiful setup with the trains? And you're standing there thinking, oh, man, I'd love to, like, go play with that, but you can't because everything's $50. Yeah. This was like that. Like, it was, like, that detailed and that big. It looked yeah. like a whole world. I never owned it, but man, it is huge. And you probably never will. 
Your foes are out to stop you with thundering fireballs. Oh, and collapsing bridges. Oh, no! Got it! Oh, me! And you don't win till you're off Fireball Island, the three-dimensional adventure from Milton Bradley. My next pick is the Clue VCR Mystery Game. Oh, fuck. From 1985, it's the classic whodunit game that was brought to life with a companion VHS video that you'd play along with, right? Instead of just playing the regular Clue board game, you can play along with a VHS tape that had a movie on it, which was created specifically for this right. board game, right? With like serious production value, like full cast, everything. It had three stories on it, and it was about an hour. And my sister and I used to watch the video. We we didn't even play the game. So Same. If was, yeah, if it was like a rainy day or a snow day, we just broke that shit out. And most of the time, uh, you know, I would get, well, I was young and I would get kind of spooked because there was parts of it that were kind of creepy. It wasn't, well, it wasn't so much that what was going on was creepy. It was just the, the ambiance. Yeah. It had a real like claustrophobic atmosphere. Yeah. That's because they're, they're trying to represent a mansion on a five by seven foot set. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Colonel Mustard did it one step over there. (laughs) Well, and it didn't bear much of a resemblance to the actual Clue movie, but uh, it was actually more in line with the game itself and yeah. the characters. So. But it did have some things in common with the movie. It was just like a really boring version of the movie. Yeah. Starring yeah, but, a bunch of like underprepared understudies. Right. But like the characters were definitely more in line with the characters from the game, whereas in the movie they kind of took a little bit more liberties like – uh, in the video, the butler did it. His name is Did It, of course. Mm-hmm. And you get this detective casebook. This is one thing that I always remember is that in the beginning of the video, uh, the butler says, okay, well, you're going to have to use your detective casebook. And he like, you know, slaps it on the desk. Yep. And in the video, it looks like the book is 500 pages. And I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to get this detective casebook. Yep. <laughs> so I open up the box and the rest of it, it's like 13 pages, yep. you know? Be so that's sure like, to drink your Ovaltine. Yeah, exactly. It was like the start of like many disappointments throughout my life. That yeah. was like the beginning of it. But man, all those VCR games were like just so cumbersome to play. Like I guess we didn't know any better back then, but the whole idea of stopping and starting the tape. Oh my God. To do nonsense and just continually having to do that for an hour or more. I know. And it was like such a novelty at that time. There were so many games that were doing the whole. Yeah. I mean, there was Robocop, uh, wrestling. Yeah. And tons of them. But anyway, so I watched the video like 1,100 times and like barely ever really. Pl- I played the game a few times, but, you know, it was the idea was like, let's watch this video. So all the actors and actresses in it were like, they were so into their roles. Like, you know, that they were like preparing and they were doing the whole like. They were in character even when they were not recording, you know? Yeah. And, and like, these are, in my opinion, these are the actors and actresses that should be at, like, Monster Mania. <laughs> From the Clue VCR game? Yeah. I would go and try to get their autographs. Like, I don't really go up for autographs a lot, but these are people I would be, like, marking out for big time. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could go back in time and just tell each of them that starring in the Clue VCR game was, in fact, not going to be their big break. <laughs> Yeah. When they got this role, they're like, yes, 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 this is my in. <laughs> Clue VCR mystery game. Tomorrow the world. <laughs> you and your friends will find a new mystery every time you play Clue VCR. But beware, solving it could be absolute 
So my next board game, um, not actually 100% certain how to pronounce it. I think I know where you're going with this. Is it Ouija, Ouija, or Ouija? I always said Ouija because it rhymes with squeegee, but <laughs> my That's... sister came home one day. And she's like, listen, I have to break some news to you. She's like, it's it's Ouija board or something like that. I'm like, oh, come on. That but was like... I, but I grew up calling it Ouija too. So why were, why was everyone calling it Ouija if it's not Ouija? I don't know, but I think that I we I think we need to go with that because it just I feel it's, like it is Ouija. It's gotta it's more, be Ouija. More fun to say, you know? Like I know in, in which board whichever one it is with Amy Dolan's, they always say Ouija. Ouija. Yeah. Damn. Damn, I feel like we should, you know, know this for sure before I start saying the word fifty times. Well, I mean, I prefer Ouija because it sounds more fun. Okay. Yeah. If if we're wrong, we'll just say it was a bit yeah yeah okay well i know it's stretching the definition of a board game but i think most of our picks already do the ouija board is something else i think it is a board game well literally i guess it is but i mean it's not even really a game you see it's a portal to the dark dimension <laughs> now these things have a really long history but i'm of course talking about the mainstream versions that were you know sold like any regular board game at toys r us and in retrospect, I guess it was silly of us to expect supernatural action from something bought at a toy store, but we totally did. Well, yeah, you can't say that you didn't have any weird supernatural activity happen. I mean, right? Well, no, but I mean, there were times where we convinced ourselves that things were happening. Oh, I had stuff happen, 100%. Really? Definitely. The thing is, you didn't, but I'm glad you think you do, because that proves the game is effective. No, it really happened. I'm telling you. And the difference is they always say, well, you know, the planchette moves, which is like the little thing that you put on top oh, of the yes. board. Now that's a word I can get behind. <laughs> like it moves because you are, your muscles are sort of moving it inadvertently, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it wasn't so inadvertent. Well, yeah, I mean, your your subconscious is actually telling your muscles to move it in certain ways. But regardless, they always say that whatever happens, usually it can be explained away. But the situation that I was in when I was a kid is not explainable. Would you well, like me to elaborate? Yes. Okay. I, yeah. Well, you know, fine. This is now your pick. <laughs> no, no, I actually am interested. I want to hear your bullshit story about how you saw a ghost. Okay. All right, so I am at the dining room table, and this is circa, like, 1990, I would okay. say. Um, I'm with my friend, and we are playing the Ouija board, right? Mm -hmm. And we ask to communicate with Elvis. Elvis? We, right, yeah, we decide, we like, who should we contact? We we really, just, we came upon Elvis. Elvis? We, yeah, we said, Wait Look. a minute, this was 1990? Yeah, yeah. That's because that girl referenced him in Independence Day. Independence Day? That didn't come out till 1996. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> you were time travelers. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, so we decide to contact Elvis, right? And we, you know, we're asking like, uh, you know, Elvis, uh, we we're trying to contact you. <laughs> I'm, I swear to God. Okay. So, so what happens is we have the chandelier above the dining room table, right? Yeah. After a 
little while, maybe 15 minutes or so, we started getting real frustrated. We're going to give up. We were literally going to put everything away and say, forget mm-hmm. about it. The chandelier, two or three of the crystals hanging from it started to shake. Not all the crystals, but just like two or three of them started to shake. And oh. we freak, we got freaked the fuck out because there was nothing going on. So we weren't having an earthquake. No one was in the house. It was just us two. And we both saw it. And we're like, holy shit, it's fucking Elvis, right? It, it had to be. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. So when you played, did you, like, I mean, aside from Elvis, like, for me, it was really like we were trying to contact either dead people we actually knew or, like, demons with no in between. It's like we either wanted friends or just, like, horrible monsters. I think sometimes, like, if if we were playing it, you would ask, like, dumb questions, like, oh, does this girl like me? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, but the thing is, we would ask those questions. It's just that, like, we would ask our dead grandmothers as if they were going to, like, <laughs> rise from the grave to tell us what kind of car we were going to drive. <laughs> but, I mean, going back to your story, I would definitely agree that I got freaked out because I even played this game as an adult with my friends, you know, just as a, a goof. Yeah. But in the right setting, on the right kind of night, in the right kind of storm, and, you know, the right kind of vodka, <laughs> you could really get freaked out. I just get kind of bored with it because you know the the gist of it, and you could, like, kind of see right through it. It's almost too simple. Like, this is the complete opposite of Mousetrap. Yeah, this is, like, the <laughs> – exactly. It's from one extreme to the other. Aren't any games in the middle? Yeah, you just take you take this little plastic piece, you put your hands on it. There yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, cause it's like, God, the marketing on that thing was just brilliant. Because if you look at the game's parts, it's a fucking alphabet and a piece of plastic. <laughs> and it like makes yeah, kids. It, it makes a trillion dollars a year. So yeah, it's still going like yeah, a hundred years later. And it doesn't have the elaborate, you know, board like that Fireball Island does. They don't have to, you know, mold this monolith. Right. My, my Cobra Commander figure never visited the Ouija board. Yeah. G.I. Joe never had to go consult the Oracle. <laughs> it's like, the more I talk about it, the more I'm wondering why I even included it at all. <laughs> You're moving it. Would you just quiet? I'm trying to concentrate here. And I'm not moving it. You're moving it. Okay, my next pick is one that everybody knows, and that is Battleship. Mm. Now, I did not choose this game because I enjoy it in any way, shape, or form. I actually hate the game. Really? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'm surprised about that. Yeah, so (laughs) this is another one that I had absolutely no clue how to play, right? So I would go to friends' houses who had it, and they were all excited about it. You know, oh, I got Battleship. So when we were young, around 1989, they came out with the electronic talking Battleship. Do you mm-hmm. remember this game? Yeah, I vaguely remember the talking version, but yes. Yeah, so electronic talking Battleship was like, it seemed like a command center. It was like not a board game in any way. It was like... A computer main right. It looked like the uh, the fucking like on a submarine the yeah. screen that they would do the the business at. Exactly. It's like you were in the hunt for Red October or something, like <laughs> yes. right in your basement, you know. So <laughs> I would go to friends' houses, and I remember specifically one time my friend got this game, and I was excited. I'm like, can't wait to play this, you know. And I had never played it before. I had no clue what I was doing, so I just faked it, you know. I just pretended I knew what I was doing. So, <laughs> how young it, were you? 
I mean, I was like nine, I think, but okay. I re- I remember <laughs> feeling that the experience was comparable to you know when you had to go up to the front of the, on the chalkboard in the classroom when you were <laughs> in school yes, and do yes. and do, a, and do like a math problem in front of everyone. Yeah, yeah. That was how I felt playing Battleship. <laughs> Man, were you with like people who intimidated you? You could have just asked somebody to tell you how to play. No, but they, I think they would describe it, but it's like, it didn't make sense to me because here's another situation. Cause I looked up the rules and it says, oh, well, Battleship was a classic guessing game. I'm like, this is not a fucking guessing game. Well, sort of is. You're <laughs> guessing where your, where your opponent's ships are. I know, but it just seemed so much more complicated. <laughs> Battleship was like warring bingo games. <laughs> I love that game. It, to me, it was like one of these strategic war games. I was just not cut out for it. Thing is, you never discovered how much fun it is to cheat at it. Because if you played long enough, I mean, I hope you remember You remember how it was played now. I mean, now I could look back and I could understand. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I had no one. I just did not get it. Well, the key to winning was to not let your opponent find your smallest boat, which only took two hits. So if they hit that boat, you would have to, like, sneakily switch it with a different boat so you can keep it on the board clean. Yeah. And if you did that, you won every time. Yeah. And it was famously featured in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in 1991. You sunk my battle sheep. <laughs> it's electronic talking battleship from Milton Bradley. So real, it really talks. Battleship arm. Battleship arm. We're talking instant programming, free skill levels, and only Milton Bradley's got them. Carrier hit. Carrier hit. Against the computer or opponent, your mission, sink the enemy's fleet. Battleship sunk. Battleship sunk. Yeah, now you're talking. My next pick is Crossfire. Ooh. Oh, man, please tell me you played this and that you love this because this was a good game. You'll get caught up in the Crossfire. Oh, I have no idea why they stopped making that because to me it always seemed like pretty popular mm-hmm. and there is not a person even remotely close to our age who doesn't remember that old television commercial. Yeah. Which made the game seem like you were stuck in some satanic version of Tron. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And the game was just as crazy. It's like, poof, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like you had this big long board as the arena and then on each side were two pellet guns that shot a stream of metal bullets Mm. And you had to shoot these like rolling targets into your opponent's pit. Yeah. It's like playing soccer with guns. Yeah. In a, but, in, a po- in a post-apocalyptic universe. Right, right. And it's like, oh man, your adrenaline would just pump so hard because that game was just constant shooting. Yeah. Like, you could never stop firing that gun or you lost. There was a lot going on with that game. And it's another one that my brain could not handle all the shiny moving objects. I'm a very wow, simple so we're person. I think we're uh, discovering something about you tonight. Yeah, I'm very dumb. <laughs> no, I don't think it's, a, it's it's that you maybe you have some like I have you can't, you can't get overstimulated or you lose it. Exactly. Like battleship, forget <laughs> about it, but crossfire. You'd you'd have a heart attack. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, overstimulation. Ugh! By the time you like finished playing, you were you felt like you could like do anything. You were so pumped up. Yeah. No matter if you won or you lost. The only thing I could say is like in a very very strange way, it's kind of like air hockey, but not. I mean, you know what I mean? It's got that kind of element to it where you're just going a little nutty. Try. Yeah, I would agree. It's it's very much like air hockey. It's yeah. you know, and it's at least the same. Gives you the same feelings of just absolute madness. 
where you just sort of lose yourself for like these three minute rounds of just pure energy. Mm -hmm. And then when it's done, you like snap back into reality and just hope you didn't kill anyone. You sounded like information society. Pure energy. My next choice is in the same vein as Crossfire, and that is Hungry Hungry Hippos. Ooh. <laughs> now, it's funny to hear me say that because it's such a, a game associated with young kids. But that's one of those games that, you know, it's been around forever. It's been around since 1966. And it's like a game slash toy. It's not necessarily just a game. It's borderline. Yeah, it was, I mean, it has like colorful big animals for children. Yeah, and like you would think about it, like what kind of drugs are they doing in the 60s that they came up with this game, you know? So you play as a plastic hippo in an arena and you're manhandling its tail to open its mouth in order to eat as many white marbles as possible. You're basically force feeding it because you're hitting that button nonstop when you play. Yes. <laughs> it's like I you know, mentioned Crossfire being one of those aggressive games. Hungry Hungry Hippos was twice as aggressive, and it was for four-year-olds. Exactly. This was such a dangerous game that without fail, someone always got hurt at my house with this game. And it always ended in crying. And <laughs> yes, because you would, like, slam your hand on that tail thing. Yeah. And eventually, if you kept doing that hard enough, you were going to hurt your hand. Yeah, it would be that or an errant marble in someone's eye. Did they? Oh, they did. That's right. It didn't have a cover, did it? No, it was just this crazy game. You know, people would go crazy. But what's funny is that you knew what friends or relatives you were playing with that lost their minds that when we're playing it. So, like, at one point you'd say, okay, there's an exact moment where this kid just lost his mind and he went crazy. <laughs> because yeah. it was so easy to get, like, intense with this game, you know? Right. So, <laughs> Something about, like, the patterns of those moving balls – like, eventually it would hit just right and you turn into a lunatic. Yes, exactly. So, first of all, my father wouldn't let me play this, like, unsupervised because they all, all, of my, all my parents and all my friends' parents' friends, they thought this was, like, a dangerous game. So, <laughs> they would, like, hide it. And my dad used to put it on top of a shelf in the basement that I couldn't get a hold of because <laughs> it was too high. <laughs> so... <laughs> I love that you had to have that game of all games hidden from you. I know. But there was like something so satisfying about winning the game because knowing that you ate the most marbles gave you like a huge sense of accomplishment. Yeah, you were such a spiteful dick if you won that game. Yeah. It's yeah. like like losing was not an option with Hungry yeah. Hungry Hippos. You had to win. You had to. Now, like if you compare it to real life now, it would be like if I ate the most meatballs, you know? Like, I, yeah. you know, it was me. I ate the most meatballs. I won. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or peanut M&Ms. Yeah. I would win that one. Yeah, you probably would. <laughs> I used to take the white marbles and put them in my mouth. And I would think, oh, these are candy. And then I realized that you, they weren't edible. <laughs> I got I to gotta look up this game. I, I can't believe the marbles were just out there like that. Yeah. I don't remember it that way. Let me see. I used to love this game. Oh, you're kid. so right. What the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, you could totally yeah. take those marbles and pretend they were candy. They were uh, vanilla jawbreakers to me when I was yeah. a kid. Yeah. And plus, like, you know, you just spent an hour making a hippo do it. It looked like fun. You figured, I got to find out. Yeah, the hippo loves it. So yeah. <laughs> The hippo I... can't stop. 
<laughs> so it's like the question I'm left with is do kids still play this or is this looked at as like an antique? Because all the kids I know, their faces are buried in their phones or their iPads. I think this is still played. Uh, maybe not to the degree that it once was, but as you, as you mentioned, kids have many more entertaining things to do. Yeah. But I know it's still on sale, so somebody's buying them. Yeah. Unless it's like a bunch of old geeks like us, you know, hey, I let's know. <laughs> reclaim our youth by playing Hungry Hungry Hippos tonight. You bring the, the indie beer. Well, yeah, you bring the micro brew. Well, it's yeah. funny you said that because just as you said, I was like, man, I'd love to buy this game just for some nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're the audience now. <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos is the name of the game. And whosoever hippo gets the most marbles wins. Playing hungry, hungry hippos. Hungry, hungry hippos. I win. Hungry, hungry hippos from Hasbro. My last pick is Forbidden Bridge, which I believe came out in the early 90s. I actually did not own this game as a kid. I picked it up at a yard sale many years later, mm. but it was everything I thought it would be as a kid. I don't even know why they bothered to call it a board game because it was so obviously an action figure playset. Oh my God, I know. This thing is amazing looking. Yeah, I mean, it's a big suspended plastic bridge suitable for four-inch action figures that leads to a goddamn plastic tiki god. Yeah. It's like the action figure playset I always wanted but never got. The thing looked like the Lost City of Zinge from Congo. It did. It was or, like a Congo playset. Yeah, it, it, or you could use, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark action figures or something. It's it right. amazing. Yeah. And, the, and the there was no... The, the front of the box, too, was amazing. Yeah, with that crazy statue. Yeah. Like... I got it at the yard sale. I never actually bothered to look at the cards or whatever it came with, but I can't imagine that that was more fun to play the real way than to just go nuts with with toys. And it's obvious there's a theme to the your choices tonight because you love these giant, you know, stone statues that look like tiki gods. Well, I think the thing is for me, most games are two players, and I never had a second player. <laughs> Similar to the situation I ran into. Yeah. Nobody wanted to play games with me, so I just had to make my own game. <laughs> Although, like, even looking up, like, games like Forbidden Bridge and uh, Fireball Island, they really, like you said, lent themselves to being action figure playsets. And when you're looking these games up, it leads you to all these other games that could have been used for action figure playsets as right. well. Right. There's so many that we didn't know about because yeah, they're so yeah. obscure. Yeah, like I never heard of half of these looking them up. There's so many of them. So do you have Forbidden Bridge like set up in your home? No, but I still do have most of it in the original box. And I'll be honest, it's not as big as you want it to be. Like if you watch the commercial look at like catalog pictures you imagine it being sort of like a, uh, you know, Star Wars scale playset. Mm -hmm. It was smaller than that, but it still would have done what you needed to do. Like, you could have made Boba Fett walk across that bridge. Dare to cross Forbidden Bridge, but if the angry idol shakes it, you can fall to your doom. First to grab the idol's jewels and get to safety wins. But beware, Forbidden Bridge is... Forbidden! 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 Forbidden Bridge, it's forbidden! My last pick is The Game of Life. It's oh boy. That, <laughs> the classic game. And this is sort of like a scaled down 
generic version of these games that you're bringing up because like you mentioned earlier it's the board game is like a relief map because there's all kinds of little hills and yeah uh, yeah there's, there's a like, lot going on yeah there's like plastic foliage and shrubbery and I, for me who doesn't love you know fake green plastic shrubbery in their board games it was definitely a selling point for me yeah so i think the main selling point though for me was the fact that you get to spin the wheel and it was like a real wheel of fortune wheel too. It was. It was like that thing was wasn't messing around. It wasn't like one of those little cardboard wheels with a little plastic arrow thing. Right. This was like a full on turn with sound effect shit crazy wheel. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, our game never spun fluidly because it always had like a little tick in it, so it like would stop sometimes. Right. So that that always like took the wind out of our sails. But Aww. I, I think. <laughs> I think the idea of like if your life was like this where you woke up and you had the chance to spin a giant wheel and then hop into a plastic Corvette and, you know, eventually get like a hot plastic wife. Like, <laughs> well, you know, that was for me the best part of the game was moving that little car around and filling it with tiny plastic people. Yeah. It's like, best. I didn't care if I won as long as I had a full car there. It's, I don't even need to play. Just give me a bunch of figures in a car. Yeah, exactly. What was the actual like objective of the game you're supposed to like have the most assets or money however they count it but like somehow at the end of the game if you come out as like the richest i think you win i think that's the whole point of the game gotcha you you sort of play devil's advocate you're like oh what if i you know had two kids and moved to hollywood or you know <laughs> it's like we were still young enough to project ourselves into our little avatars yeah. so we'd be driving around getting jobs and getting hitched and we yeah. actually feel like we did that exactly it's exactly. like oh my god this is it like i'm an adult now i have i have a wife i have a job yeah my income is stable yeah you you set up everything you don't even need to like okay i don't even need to live the rest of my life i just did it in this game you can be a winner at the game of life hey look i've got a wife get some taxes as you do will you be with me you can be a winner at the game of yeah. The Game of Life for Milton Bradley. I got to say, based on your picks tonight, I'm going to make two predictions. Yeah. Well, not predictions, two assumptions. Okay. Uh, one is that a lot of your games were hand-me-downs. And two, you never asked for board games, so the ones you got were never the ones you like actually would have wanted. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's partly true. I mean, a lot of the games we like had to have. So like, you know, games like Monopoly and Clue... Like we ha we bought, you know, but then, right. Well, the classics yeah. obviously. No house was complete. Yeah, but then mo you're right. Most of the other ones are just gifts from like random relatives that yeah. you know. Because it seems a bit like you have some resentment towards these games. Like <laughs> like you're like you're offended that they ever came into your life. <laughs> it's true because I look back and I'm like, man, hey, let's talk about board games. Okay, that's great. I look back and I'm like, man, I don't really have the best memories from these games they were more <laughs> they were more frustrating than they were fun for me most of the yeah, time yeah i mean it's, it's amazing that if, out of our 15 podcasts this is the one that really got you sour board <laughs> games i just feel like now i realize why you're like no let's not play that game no not that game no not that game because <laughs> none of them are good <laughs> When you first started doing it, I played it off like a joke because I didn't want to hurt your feelings. But as I got to know you, like it didn't matter anymore. You knew you knew I was terrible, so I could just tell you, dude, your games suck. 
But, you know, same goes for, like, even some of the classics. Because if we were to sit down and play Monopoly, you know at some point in the evening the board is getting flipped and there's, like, dollar bills everywhere. (laughs) I never finish a game when I know I'm going to (laughs) lose. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I'm the worst person to play a long game with. Because, I mean, if you played that with me, you would know before we sat down that that game was an ending unless I won. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But really, when you think about it, none of these games are... I, I think it's more the idea and the memory of, you know, what you did when you were a kid. And that's why I look to these really simple, dumb games like memory. And uh, I, I had mentioned Guess Who to you uh, recently. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like these are those simple ones that you like when you were real young, it didn't take too much thinking. <laughs> I almost feel like you didn't really like the idea that you had to truly battle with your friends. You liked friendlier games. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. More camaraderie. Yeah, you like you were a nice guy. You didn't want to kill everyone. It was like fencing. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a question then. Okay. Uh and I'll do the same for you, but you go first. All right. If you had to pick one game from the five that I've listed tonight for us to actually play like next weekend for real, which one would it be? Whew. I'm going with Fireball Island. Like, I could fucking fit that in my car to bring over. <laughs> I'll have to rent a U-Haul. I'll just meet you at the park. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because, I mean, if am I remembering correctly, you've never played it. I've never played it. Yeah. Uh, I've only seen the commercials when I was a kid, and I knew people who owned it. Like, I would be at friends' houses and see their shelf of games and be like, oh, man. See, that's something that would make me jealous because... That was not a game that someone would have just got me. Because if I remember correctly, it was more expensive than some well, of the other. Well, I would yeah. assume it was more expensive because it was so much bigger. I think it was nine hundred dollars. Nine. Well, that's roughly how much it costs now, for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have one of mine that you prefer to play? You know, you're gonna hate me, but it would probably be Battleship. I knew you were gonna say that too. It doesn't have to be the electronic talking version. You just play regular Battleship. I want to give it another shot, but if I'm going to play it, I want to go all out. It's a lot of fun. I mean, once you play it a lot, like, you develop your own little strategy. Yeah. Or, you know, like I do, you cheat. Yeah. I mean, I don't have to move. Like, you could, we could actually play that while we're, like, laying on couches watching movies. No movement whatsoever. Can we, like, get, like, red light bulbs and replace all my light bulbs with that to make it, like, really feel like we're in a submarine? Yeah, we could speak in, like, fake Force Russian. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be playing Fireball Island and Battleship. Yeah, how old are we? Like... <laughs> Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> so this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast, episode 15. Yes, it has. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Jay from the Sexy Armpit. I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. And we will sink your battleship next time. I'm just like in a frozen state of shock at that tag. Thank you for listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast. You have sunk my battleship. <laughs> <laughs>